Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and let's take a short study of a very simple subject, and yet one we often neglect. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or, what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or, if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Amen and amen. Amen. The word or, beginning verse 9, divides these five verses into two halves. The first half is God's promise. The second half is God's illustration. He answers prayer better than we take care of our children. If my child or yours, the Lord assumes this of all fathers, even evil ones, was to come and ask for something, we would give it to them. If If he were to ask something like a fish, we would not give him a snake. We would not give him a serpent. We would try to get close to what the child wanted. Because we love our children and we want to do well for them. And so we have these five verses to encourage us in prayer. But it says in verse 11, If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give good things to them that ask Him? As I wrote you in the preparatory email yesterday, What good things do you ask the Lord for, or what good things do you want to ask the Lord for? What do we most commonly pray for? If the truth be told, we pray for things for our lives here. And there's a place for that. Give us this day our daily bread. Is a prayer form recommended by our Lord Jesus Christ. But what good things are you most concerned about? I want to show you the thing, the good thing, that you should be concerned about. Amen. Turn with me now to Luke 11. Luke 11, and remember what we read this morning from Psalm 143. Luke 11, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 9. This is the word of the Lord to us, and it helps us set our priorities. Verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? 
Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That is our lesson in a few minutes. When was the last time you prayed for God the Father to give you the Holy Spirit? We read in Psalm 143, Thy Spirit is good. This is the good thing that we don't pray for enough. And as soon as I'm done in a few minutes, I will be asking for a few men. Stretch my definition of few that will come to the front of this assembly. And in the least eloquent words that come to your soul and mind, let's beg God our Father for His Holy Spirit. Do you know why we do not have to worry about eloquence? Because the Holy Spirit of God will pray for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Spirit, which happens to know the will of God, prayeth for us according to the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Wonderful. This is the good thing we ought to pray for. I, I love to pray with you and for you for the things that are important in your lives. And I rejoice when God answers. It's wonderful to see Him work. There was a case this week. It's going to be made public soon. The Lord willing. But it was a, it was a great blessing to me. It helped sustain me. I rejoiced in it. Much laughter in the Lord. Praising Him. Shouting in my house. For God's goodness. Toward a family in this assembly. And yet, for the last two nights I've been chastened on my bed... For us, for all of us, that we need to pray more for the Holy Spirit of God. Right. Look at at Judges chapter 13. We do not have time to linger in very many places. This is so simple. This is, it's just a reminder. Have you prayed for the Holy Spirit in your life? Or is that something you've neglected? I want to charge you and exhort you to go out of this place today, after we've done it publicly, to pray for the Holy Spirit in your life. We could go to Genesis chapter 1 where it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What happened to those waters? Did something come out of those waters? Did dry land appear? Did herbs bearing seed after their kind appear? Did all four-footed beasts appear? Did Adam appear? Did the Spirit of God do a decent job in creating this world that we live in? That is the power of the Spirit of God. That power can be in our lives in the New Testament primarily in a spiritual power, to live victoriously, happily, joyfully, peacefully, hopefully. You dear young people, I want you to have hope. I can try to help your dads as we together try to think practically on how we can give hope in your lives. But I do know where all hope comes from. Amen. And I lived without this hope when I was your age. And I was miserable. And I made everyone else around me miserable. 
What does God have to say to you for you to give his Holy Spirit a chance? By asking for his Holy Spirit to fill you with hope. He has the power to fill you full of hope. Where every day is an exciting adventure of getting up and walking with God. And doing his will. And that's what I want for all the young people here. I'm sorry about the hopelessness that comes over someone caught between being a man or a woman and being a boy or a girl. You're in no man's land. I've told all my children from the earliest days that they could understand me, the teenage years are the hardest years. I'm sorry for that. But I have a cure. Will you, li- will you listen for a few minutes to a cure? It's to pray for the Holy Spirit. Amen. For Friday night... And Saturday night, on my bed, I was constantly convicted to pray for the Holy Spirit. And my children know, without them really knowing this lesson that I have for you, because I haven't told them very much, that the Holy Spirit is wonderful. Amen. Judges 13, verse 25. This is Samson. You say, well, he was a strong man, one of the strongest men in the Bible. Yes, a strong man, very foolish, got himself in terrible trouble, could not leave Philistine whores alone, but he still made it to Hebrews 11 by the grace of God, by the grace of God. What a savior to put, to put Samson in Hebrews 11. Look what it says in verse 25, and the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. And if we were to follow through the next couple of chapters, we would find the Spirit of God moving Samson. The Spirit of God can make men strong and make men great. The Spirit of God can make women strong and great. Many examples. It would take us a series of many messages to cover this subject, and we do not have time for it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Samson, the Spirit of the Lord, would move him. He caught 300 foxes. Ask anyone in our assembly who's ever trapped how hard it is to catch one fox. Foxes are one of the hardest animals to ever find, let alone catch. 300. The Spirit of the Lord. The Philistines caught him once when he was all bound up. Seven ropes. Seven new ropes. They weren't old. He snapped them like they were threads that had been burnt in a fire and grabbed himself the jawbone of an ass and killed 1,000 Philistines by the Spirit of God. He was thirsty when he finished and his hand was all knotted up in cramps. On that jawbone, and out of that jawbone came a fountain of water by the Spirit of God. That strong man. These stories are in the Bible for children and for adults. I hope I'm never too old to rejoice about Solomon, I mean Samson, but the strength he had by the Spirit of the Lord. And I want you to have that power, but more than picking up a jawbone of an ass and killing a thousand Philistines, they're, they're hard to find these days. In here, just go outside and you'll find them. 
That's not the strength we want. We want the strength to live a victorious Christian life, Amen. full of joy, peace, and hope. Amen. Are you happy? Yes. Young, are you happy? I won't stare at any of you too long, lest everybody else know who I'm looking at. Are you happy? I'm going to show you how to get joy, peace, and hope. The fullness of joy, peace, and hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us what this Holy Spirit is. Verse 13, you know, we love verses 3 through 12 because it talks about our election in Christ Jesus and our predestination to be the children of God and how that God has saved us according to the good pleasure of His will. We usually are looking at those verses, but I want us to focus right down on 13, 14. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. You are a purchased possession. God has bought you. Know ye not that ye are not your own, but that ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirits, which are God's. You are purchased. You are a bought object. God has elected you out of humanity to be his own child and predestinated you to the adoption of sons. He has bought you by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He has made you accepted in the beloved. That is how we get saved. God makes us acceptable through Christ Jesus who is the beloved. We then hear the good news of that wonderful salvation and we believe it. And when we hear the good news and we believe it, God seals us on the inside with his Holy Spirit. His own presence, which is the earnest. Earnest money is like a down payment. Earnest money is the promise to perform the rest of the transaction. God has already started the transaction before the world began by choosing us in Christ Jesus according to his own will. But he's going to fulfill that purchase. He's going to glorify us in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment. But some of you, I wonder if you even know there's an earnest. Do you know that God is in earnest? He is going to save you all the way to heaven. Put your trust in Him and believe Him. In whom, after that, ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. God had promised the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. John 14, which you read last night, if you followed the preparatory email. John 15, John 16, Acts chapter 2. God gave the Holy Spirit to Jesus. Jesus Christ dispensed it to His church. In the apostolic age, it resulted in speaking in tongues and all sorts of other signs and wonders. But to us, it's the seal. We have the presence of God inside us, which causes us to cry out. Romans 8, Galatians 4. What do we cry out? Abba, Father. Father. You know that God is your Father. Do you know where the assurance of salvation comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are the Son of God. And when you know you're a Son of God... That's good news, isn't it, brother, toward the back? Is it good news to be a son of God? You better tell that story far and wide. To be a son of God, he bears witness with our spirit that we are such. Romans 15. Romans 15. I'm not going to get anywhere, but I'm going to get far enough for you to know this. 
you better be asking for the Holy Spirit of God. Or what are we praying? Let's, let's make that our first prayer request. Then, after that, our other prayer requests. Romans fifteen thirteen. You may have a tendency as you get toward the end of Romans that Paul's kind of, kind of wrapping things up and, you know, he's talking with the Gentiles and he's hoping to make it to Spain and he's saying this and that and he's commending Phoebe and uh, there's just not very much there for me. Guess again. Romans fifteen thirteen. I think. This is in my top five for the last couple of years. Verses in the Bible. And young people, I, you want to memorize this verse with me? If you check me, I'll check you. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God is a God of hope. I've told you this before. This is not new. God is a God of hope. Because everything he wants is going to come to pass. Do you know that about him? Everything God wants is going to come to pass. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And do you know what? He has laid up hope for us. He has packaged everything together that he has in heaven, including himself, and made us joint heirs with Jesus Christ to inherit God himself and all the riches of heaven. I, that's, that's pretty good hope. Mm-hmm. Now, the God of hope fill you, not let you taste or sample it, but fill you with all, what does it say? All joy and all peace that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If your life is not full of joy, full of peace, and full of hope, what's the problem? You're lacking power. Who has the power? We don't have it. Life is pretty miserable, isn't it? Do you try to get up and be happy? You're disappointed at all times with men. But there's joy, peace, and hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's built on one thing that you start with. And it's in this verse. Do you know what it is? How do you get this started? All joy and peace in believing. It starts with faith. Do you believe that God is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? If you don't believe that, start believing it. If you don't believe it, come and ask me and I'll help you believe it. God is. There's one thing you can be certain of. We don't know if we are for sure, but we can know that God is. Yes, I know that we're here. I'm not a Christian scientist. But we know that God is. And that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And if you start with that faith, and if we were to pray for the power of the Holy Ghost, He is able to fill us with all joy and all peace, and that we may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. We, We short ourselves. We don't pray enough. And when we do pray, we don't pray spiritually enough. We short ourselves. We have faith, but we don't have the power to leverage off that faith and be filled with all joy and peace and abound in hope. Do you understand me? It's that simple. I hardly need to go anywhere else. 
Anywhere else I'm going to go is just to show you more benefits of having the Holy Spirit of God with you. You know, I've already mentioned a benefit. He'll help you pray. If you can just get on your knees and grunt in desperation to God, Lord, save me. You know what? He'll reach forth his hand and save you because the Holy Spirit of God will pray and add eloquence to those simple words that God will hear in heaven and save you. If you can just say, Lord, help me. That's all you, that's all you have to say. Lord, help me. He'll help you. And the prayer that makes it to heaven, you've never heard anything so beautiful. And he prays according to the will of God. But you know what? We don't pray enough and we don't pray enough for the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans 5. I could, we could, you know we could keep going for a few hours this afternoon on blessings of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just want to give you a few to whet your spiritual appetite. To know that we starve ourselves. Romans chapter 5 verse 3. And not only so. But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. How in the world can you glory in tribulations? Because the Spirit of God teaches you that tribulations lead to experience, patience, and patience to experience, and experience to hope. And the Holy Spirit of God fills you with the love of God. It is shed abroad. It is just fully filling you that God loves you by the power of the Holy Ghost. That will change your life. God loves you. Who cares if no one else loves you? God loves you. It's shed abroad in your hearts, but it's by the Holy Ghost. If you've quenched or grieved the Holy Ghost, you are lonely. You do not feel loved. You are lost. I know about it. You cheat yourself. Our Father in Heaven has given us everything. He's given us Himself. If you'll keep my commandments, I will come, Jesus said, and my Father will come, and we will abide with you forever. We'll abide with you forever. Nobody will be able to get rid of us. We'll stay with you forever. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. By the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We should stop right now and start praying. Just give me a few more. We will. Friday night. And last night. And some on Thursday night. You do not. You do not pray as much for the Holy Spirit as you should. And that is why you are begging me right now. The Holy Spirit. We do not pray enough for it. Because look what he's able to do. You want to understand scripture and the wonderful things of the universe? Turn to Ephesians 1. There's something you need. There's something you need in order to to understand the real, the, the most important aspects of the universe. And that is, you need the Holy Spirit of God. Because he's the master teacher. He's the spirit of illumination. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Paul said, I don't stop giving thanks for you and making mention of you in my prayers 
This is Paul's prayer for the great church at Ephesus. That the, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ can give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Him. That we can be enlightened to know what is the hope of His calling, the riches and glory of His inheritance, and His power that He exercised to save us, which was the same power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. The comprehension of that, and the appreciation of that, and the joy from that, and the excitement from that, it's by the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, I do not stop to make mention of you in my prayers that you would have the Holy Spirit teaching you those things. Galatians chapter 5. You know what I'm skipping over? Ephesians chapter 3, and that is one powerful passage. Remember, it's been prayed once and mentioned once today already. Ephesians 3, 14 through... You're on your way to Galatians 5. But Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 say that God, Paul called on God for the sake of his family that is named in heaven and earth, that the Holy Spirit would teach them the love of Christ in all of its dimensions Amen. until they were filled with all the fullness of God. How can we, mere mortals, be filled with all the fullness of God? Right. By learning, by the power of the Spirit, all the dimensions of Christ's love for us. Paul basked in that knowledge. It drove him. The love of Christ constraineth me. Amen. We need that in our lives. Galatians chapter 5. There is a great difference in spirit between men. It is so easy to detect if you're spiritually minded. There are spiritually minded men and there are carnally minded men. We saw that a deacon needs to be a man full of the Holy Ghost. And he'll be talking about the things of Christ. He'll be talking about the things of heaven. He'll be filled with love, gentleness, graciousness, patience, kindness. Then there are those that are works of the flesh. They will not be talking about heaven. They will not be talking about Jesus Christ. They'll be talking about the things of this world. They will be hateful. They will be negative. They will be critical. They will be hurtful. They'll be full of anger and malice. And we have it right here. The division. In this passage, Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. That means they are well known. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, Heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Any sin that would fit that list from the rest of the New Testament. Paul just didn't want to keep the list going too long. So he says, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
You might look at some of those sins in the front end and some of the sins in the back end, like adultery and fornication in the front end, like idolatry and witchcraft in the front end. You may look at the things in the back end, like murders, and say, well, those are just terrible sins. But look what else is in there. Hatred, variance, disagreeing, debating, and arguing with people, emulations, striving to compete to equal or to excel another person, wrath, getting upset and angry, strife, fighting, envying. You know, that gets closer to home, doesn't it? All those get closer to home. And they're going to be judged by God. But we come to verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Love. To have a life full of love is a choice to walk in the Spirit, but it is also a fruit of the Spirit by His power bearing it in your life. Then joy, peace. With just the first three, what else do you want? Love, joy, and peace. Love. You can love anyone. Because the Holy Spirit's giving you the power to love anyone. Joy. You can be joyful at any time, no matter what's happening, because God, the Holy Spirit, is giving you that joy in your heart. Peace. Nothing disturbs you, because God is with you. We can go through the list. How do we get that? By praying more for the Holy Spirit of God. You know, we could go through each one of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, but that's not the, that's not the point. The point we want is, what's the source of strength and power to be able to live victoriously like this? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and one of the ways we get that Holy Spirit is to pray for it. Jesus told a woman of Samaria, if you knew who had just asked you for a drink of water, you would ask of him and he would give you the water of life that would spring up into that woman into everlasting life and satisfy her so she would never be thirsty again. God, the Holy Spirit, is able to do that. But brethren, there's two things. We should be praying. Let me just remind you that there is another thing that we do. If you play around with the world, playing around with the world is flirting with the enemy of God. You are his bride, and when you play with the world, you are flirting and and moving toward spiritual adultery against the God of heaven. That's why he hates friendship with the world. Because if we're a friend of the world, then we're flirting with his arch enemy, the world. James 4, 4. If you flirt with the world, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit of God is grieved, the Holy Spirit of God steps back in your life and lets you find out what it's like to live without him. If you quench the Holy Spirit of God by living carnally, you dampen the fire, you dampen the heat, you reduce the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you lose. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench, not the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, grieve, not the Spirit of God, by which you are sealed on the day of redemption. If you play with the world and if you play with sin, this is, it's a, it's a lose-lose proposition. There's no happiness and hope out there. Listen, let's take, let's take 30 seconds. There was, there was some idiotic Hollywood actor that committed Harry Carey this week. Too dumb to know that he was committing suicide 
or too dumb to know that suicide is self-murder and that he's going to stand before God for taking his life. He was 29 years old. He had this magnificent future ahead of him. He was a star of our society. He's dead. You think they have hope? You watch those stupid movies, if you even think about them, where the devil himself tries to show you that there is some hope in sin. There is no hope in sin. Where's Britney Spears been for the last year? She's been in an asylum because she's a nutcase. She is a demented idiot. Even the world doesn't want her around. They want her in a straitjacket behind bars. Even the world. That little girl that wanted to wear the, low ri- the low-rising jeans and the cropped-off shirts and started that terrible clothing on young girls in this world, she's a mess. Even her worldly friends don't want her around. If you quench and grieve the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will not have the hope and joy and peace that God wants to fill you with. He wants to fill you with all of it. He wants to shed his love abroad in your heart. Amen. Yes, I get angry at those people. They make me sick. Amen. There isn't one good thing about them. They have corrupted so many youth, and they're going to give an account of every single bit of it before the God of heaven. Right. And, heaven will be, and hell will be the right temperature for both of them. But what about those that call themselves the children of God? We can be full of hope if we don't grieve or quench his spirit. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2. And with this I'll close. There is no hope in this world. Young people, there's no hope. You're never going to get happy out there. It's, It's a deception. What do you think deception means? It means that you believe something is true that isn't true. So it means you've lied to yourself and you believe it. Or someone else has lied to you and you believe it. It's a deception. The devil's been a liar from the beginning. Eve, can't you tell by looking at that fruit that if you'll eat it, you'll be just like God? Wow, you're right, devil. I might be just like God. I think I'll eat it. Did the devil lie to her? Was she deceived? Does the Bible tell us she was deceived? Indeed. The devil's a liar. He's had to lie because he has nothing to offer but destruction. His name is Apollyon and Abaddon, and all he does is destroy. I want you to have a successful, victorious, happy, love-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled life. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. How much should we pray for? Well, I don't, I don't believe that we have to take this passage and apply it too literally, but it should give us encouragement to pray boldly. Will you join me in 2 Kings chapter 2 at verse 9? Elijah, the great prophet of God, has taken his understudy, Elisha, across the Jordan River. Elijah took his mantle, smacked the water. The waters of the Jordan divided. Elijah went through. Elisha followed him. He's going to go to heaven. So he took Elisha with him. Verse 9, it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. 
And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And Elisha saw it. Do you know what that meant? He was going to get a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Do you know what John the Baptist, we're told about John the Baptist, who was the greatest man ever born of women? He came in the spirit of Elijah. And Elisha got twice that. That's boldness in prayer for a spirit from God. There went Elijah. His mantle fell to the ground. This, listen, Second Kings is good reading. Remember, I told you, if you don't know where to read this year, just start with Samuel, Kings, and First Chronicles. Elisha goes over and picks up his mantle, goes back to the Jordan River. He's looking around. He's thinking, I want, oh boy, I saw him leave. Smack! Where's the God of Elijah? And the Jordan River parted for Elisha. Amen. He had the double portion. Remember how we proved that he had the double portion? Elijah raised the dead while he was alive. Elisha raised the dead when he was dead. There's one verse in your Bible, and you've got to look closely to find it. Elisha's bones were down in the bottom of a pit. He was long dead. Along came the Midianites, and they had a battle. And one of their men died, and they picked him up and tossed him into that hole, and he fell on Elisha's bones, and he was healed by Elisha's bones. That's called twice the spirit, when you can heal people, when you can raise people from the dead when you're dead. But the point is, you've asked a hard thing. But if you see me depart, it'll be so to you. Brethren, we need to be asking, and it's not a hard thing. He said, if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I don't need eloquence. I just want some men to come and join me at the front to ask God to give us, our children, our wives, and this church more of his Holy Spirit that we might have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, that we might be filled with all joy and peace in believing and abound in hope, that we might have the spirit of illumination open up the things that Christ has done for us, that we might have that great assister in our prayers That we might have the assurance of our salvation increased in our hearts. Who will join me?